0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During our series, Built to Last, we're taking a deeper look into some of the foundational principles that can help us make lasting changes in our lives. Enjoy this week's message. I want to welcome you to the first official week of our series entitled Built to Last. Last weekend, if you didn't have the opportunity to join us, I gave us an introduction to the series so that we could get started with thinking about where we're going over the next several weeks as we're talking about building our lives in such a way and the fact that it can outlast us, that it can live beyond us, that it can work. In fact, that's one of the greatest dreams of my life is that I might communicate the Bible in such a way that it really works in your life, that your faith really works in real time, that it affects your marriage, your parenting, your dating, your children. It affects every area of your life. And so we're talking about built to last. And I wanna ask it in kind of a sort of basic question and that is, how do you know if you're saved? That's a term that's used in the Bible to say, you, you've, you were lost, now you're saved. The Bible uses the picture of you were were lifeless and yet you were born again by the Spirit. The Bible says you were dead and you came back to life. How do you know if you were dead and came back to life? How do you know if you've been born again? How do you know if you're saved? Because the answers to those questions tell you how are you building and the, the answer to those questions will tell you if you're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ if you're building on that foundation. As I said, when we built this structure, a lot of time, lot of energy, a lot of money before you ever even see anything, lot of work. And I remember coming out here when we started working on the foundation prep and there were these people out there that their whole job was to test the soil and there was time spent putting water and making sure the composition of the soil, you call it a soil boring. And they would take samples of the soil and they would see because there's a lot of clay here and does it have enough moisture and what's the rock content and how much sand's in there and and just making sure that the composition of that soil could stand the test of time. So this week, we're gonna look at our foundation and if you will, using the metaphor, we're gonna bore down in a little bit into our souls and we're gonna say, am I saved? Am I building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Because it's all about Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so, Other people around you, like when they sing those songs, how beautiful, how wonderful, how he's a keeper of his promise and his word. It's like, man, they sing that with such passion, like that's so real to them. This Jesus they can't see, they seem like, man, they seem like they have this real relationship and I see evidence and fruit of that. Like, like how does that happen? Well, we're going to all look at how do we know if we have that personally? How do we know? Now, it's not easy to admit you don't know. We don't like that. In fact, I've found that that's one thing that keeps people away from church. They think there's gonna be a Bible quiz and they're kinda like, man, I don't know all the answers, you know? So people, we don't like not knowing. We like when someone asks us the question, we like to know the answer, right? Or at least where we can have time to Google it before we're required to respond. Are you with me? We like to know. Like, and as kids get older, they know everything. I'm constantly checking. Now, what about this? I know. No, no, you don't know, okay? You don't know, because if you knew, the other events would have turned out different. I don't mind you jacking stuff up unless I have to share in your pain. Y'all know what I'm talking about, parents, you know what I'm saying? If it costs me, it's, you know, your knowing is costing me a lot, okay? Let's just put it that way. You know so much, but it's getting expensive. Come on, everybody, I know. I know. No, you don't. No. I can't really get too hard on my kids because I've always been kind of that way. You know, maybe wrong, but never in doubt. Come on now, just <laughs> fake it till you make it. i kind of been that way. You know, they, they kind of turn out a little bit like us. Y'all know what I'm saying? You know, it's like I, this couple I was talking to this last week, they're like, our kids are rambunctious and rowdy and they're just blah, 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 all the time. I'm like, who made these people? You know, look at y'all. They just fell out of the sky. How did that happen? Y'all know what I'm saying? I remember when I went for my first uh, first ministry position and uh, I met with our ministry guidance person at Baylor and he said, man, there's this church out there in Central Texas and they're looking for a youth pastor. And so I said, man, I'm gonna go meet with them. I kind of threw my name in that, went over there and met with these people. They were looking for a youth pastor, right? And so I thought, man, I think I can do that. So I went for the interview and they said, Here's the deal, we need the youth pastor thing. Think you can do that? I'm thinking, well, I've been preaching since I was 16. I think I can give them some youth messages, help them out, you know, and and they said, okay, great. And I said, well, what does it pay? They said $50 a week, and they said I was in it for the money, but anyway. um, (laughs) But uh, so I was like, you know, God, you keep him humble. We'll keep him poor, but anyway. um, And so I said, okay, I got that. And so since it paid so well, we'd like you to also do a second job. Uh, We want you to be the music pastor too of course, I may be wrong, but never in doubt, I'll, say, I'll do that too. Okay, cool, I got it. There's one problem. I have no musical ability, right? My, I don't know anything. I don't know the first thing about this stuff. I really don't. I played with a ball of some sort growing up. My kids have musical ability. They tell me, dad, you know, you have a strong voice. You just don't really know how to channel it in the right note, you know, that's the problem. So I didn't know what to do. So I got up there the first Sunday. I promise you, this is true. This is not preacher hype. I got up there, I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. Now, I don't really know the notes, but I'm pretty sure the 95-year-old lady playing the piano was not hitting the right ones, okay? (laughs) So we had a problem. Now, I was in trouble because my wife didn't play piano, so we're in trouble with that. So there's this lady, she's 95 now. She walked with Moses on the earth, and she's (laughs) playing the piano, and I'm telling you, she couldn't play the piano when she was 30, okay? <laughs> I and mean, she really can't play it now, right? So I'm up there, this, this, I don't even know what song she's playing, right? We open up the big hymnal, and uh, here's what I did know. I got to get them on my team. We're not singing the third verse. Come on, everybody. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? It's first, second, and four. Cut that number three. But anyway, all the church folks are laughing. But uh, anyway, they're on my team. They're like, well, it's going to be bad, but we only have to sing three verses. Okay, good. So then I had another problem. I didn't know what to do with my hands. Kind of like some of y'all, when you come to a church where people raise your hands, you know, oh, well, what do I do with my hands? Get a cup of coffee. Okay, I didn't know what to do with my hands. So I just was like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know the moves and I'm still mesmerized by it. Maybe someone could explain it to me. Cause I've noticed some people just kind of do like, kind of like the inverted T. Some people have a swoop on, like a Nike kind of feel to it. Just kind of a, <laughs> they kind of turn it over. You know, they kind of, I just kind of just did whatever you know so I just kind of just keep it moving people keep it moving you know what I'm saying? just just keep it going you know and then hit it low every now and then yeah baby come on now get it down here you like that anyway so I didn't know what I was doing, but I said I know so much in life and it's, it's really challenging in spiritual life because we feel like this touches all areas of life we should know. The unfortunate thing is a lot of times we don't know. Did you know Jesus actually prayed that we would know? You might be surprised by I told you to turn to John 17. Let's look at it together. Jesus is about to be beaten. He's been betrayed at this point. He's about to hit some of the most critical days of his time here on earth. He's about to hit some of the most important things and the most important moment in human history. And you may wonder, I know I wonder about it, Jesus is in this garden alone praying before he's about to be arrested and crucified. And I love the fact we have the scripture because I wondered, like, what's he praying What's he thinking about? And here's something really amazing and powerful about the love of Jesus. Did you know he's praying for us? He's praying for you and me. He's, you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but on that night, alone in that garden, with all of what he would face, here's part of what he prayed. He prayed a lot of other things in that prayer, but look at this, I love verse three. Now this is eternal life. He knew that all of us are eternal beings, and he said this is eternal life, that they know you, that they know you. You say "No." what is that? Now we have trouble with the word know in our culture and mindset today because this word is gnosko, which this word in the original language would have this concept to it, not like I can Google facts, Not like I memorized the answers to the test the night before. Not that kind of no. Not like I know some things about this person, God, this person, Jesus. Like I know some things from his Wikipedia page. This is not mental ascent to knowing. This is a relational, interwoven, covenantal connection that is different than just knowing mentally or religiously. Jesus says that they gnosco you, they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The apostle Paul builds on this. He builds on this understanding and concept when he writes to his spiritual son who was literally like family to him, this young pastor Timothy. He writes him a letter and he says to him at the end of all this coaching and instruction and things he brings to him, Some of these people, the Living Bible paraphrase, I love how it paraphrase it. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. If I'm gonna talk to you about building a life that lasts, here's the most important thing. They've missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And so you say, why would someone miss the most important thing? How could anyone say, look, I, I, I missed this most important thing because I believe the Bible tells us that we're created in the image of God you have a, if you will, a honing device, a desire to know God. Even the most hardened person, as I have witnessed to people who feel like they've done too many bad things that God wouldn't accept them, to the person who's just a little anxious about coming to church, to people who have professed themselves as agnostics or intellectual atheists or others, still when you dig below the surface, most of the time, even the intellectual information and the defenses historically about Jesus and who he is are not the greatest barriers. It's not about, you know, the dinosaurs usually. When I dig in there, now some people have those. It's not, you know, like could God create a rock that he can't pick up, you know? If you have powdered water, what do you add? That's one of mine, you know, it's not that. That was funny, but you missed it. You weren't, it just <laughs> flew right over your head. If you have powdered water, what do you add? things that make you go home. It's not those barriers. You know what it usually is? It's what we saw in the video. If my dad wouldn't take care of me and he couldn't be trusted, and people in my life have hurt me, why would I ever trust a relationship with a God who might treat me like the relationships that I've had here on earth? One of your largest barriers is to let your pain and your challenges be superimposed on a God who loves you and I promise you He will always deliver and keep his promise and his word to you. So a lot of times there's these barriers. And so we all are on a journey, but we all desire to know God, we really do. We all have a hole inside of us that can only be filled by being loved by the God who created us. That's what we desire. So we act like we know, but many times we don't know because there's all these hindrances and barriers. I myself was fortunate I was fortunate that I grew up around God and I I grew up in an atmosphere where I was introduced to him early. And, you know, again, some say, well, you know, I I have, some of you have a testimony where you you had all this pain and challenge and then God saved you from it. And by the way, you're sometimes the most radical lovers of God because you know what it's like to live without him. But, you know, equally as important is to have a, perspective that what if, what would my life be like without God? I don't underestimate these young people who receive Christ because I'm going to tell you, their sincerity and their foundation, Jesus says, come to me like a child. And as I said last week, when you talk about built to last, why are we big on the next generation here and introducing them to a real Jesus that they walk with? Why? Because remodel is a whole lot more challenging than new construction. So we wanna set them up with those principles. I, early age, 12 years old, around my family dinner table. Was I perfect? No. Did I get off course, but yet Jesus bringing me back and growing and I look back and think, man, thank goodness he got a hold of me early because I don't do anything halfway. Some of you are like, pastor, you don't know me, man. I'm a radical sinner. I appreciate a good sinner. I think I would have been an incredible sinner You wouldn't have wanted me leading the fraternity. You know what I'm saying? We end up in Tijuana, baby. You know what I'm saying? I mean, (laughs) it's gonna be on. That's why I love some of you who are real far from God, but the party's kind of ending and you're like, man, I need something different and this is affecting my marriage and my kids. Look, in the same way you're radical about all these other things is the same way you're gonna live for Jesus and build a foundation that will last. He loves to get a hold of a good sinner. You know what I'm saying? I figure if you're going to be a sinner, why be religious and fake it? Just be a good one. Be a real one. So Jesus got a hold of my life early, and I'm here to tell you, it's the only way to live. You'll never trade him back in. Because that foundation then starts to permeate every other area of your life. You say, I want that. I wanna know if I'm building on that foundation. Well, before we can talk about if you're building on it, we need to know what it is. So I wanna be basic for a minute, okay? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? What does it mean to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Well, you first have to start with your need for him. You have to start with your broken. We have a philosophy in our world today that it's kind of fine, everybody's okay, just do what you want and we'll all end up in a good place. I don't find that that's my experience. Without Jesus, you end up where you are headed, to a lost place. You don't have to teach your kids how to make mistakes. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You don't have to teach them how to say, might, might. We're born selfish, we're born broken, sometimes because of broken atmospheres, but mostly just because we have inherited that from our heritage from the first human beings who fell. We have this broken nature and sometimes we do the breaking and other times breaking happens to us. But the reality is we have a perfect God who we want a relationship with and we desire to have that relationship. And the reason we feel guilty and the reason we try to don't we don't know what to do and we feel a little nervous in those settings is why we don't wanna worship a God that has the same problems we do. We want that God to be holy. We want him to be perfect. We want him to be more powerful than us. Remember, you will come in touch with your need for a power outside of you. The question is, is it the true God that you're praying to or is it just some figment of your imagination? The Bible says there's a broken you and a perfect holy God that existed before the universe was ever created. So why did Jesus come? This is his message. There's only one option. Because Jesus was very definitive. He didn't kind of beat around the bush. He said, here's how you have a relationship with me. He went to the cross to pay a debt that you couldn't pay. The debt was too big for you to have a relationship with a perfect God, so Jesus went to the cross. He hung on that cross. He shed his blood as a payment, and he said, it is finished. There's no more work that needs to be done. I paid the price. And why can we have this knowing that's experiential with this Jesus? Because different than philosophers and other people that people worship, some historical religious figure, Jesus is the only one, to my knowledge, who raised from the dead. He's alive. He's a living Jesus. So now we have a relationship with a living Jesus who rose from the dead. And the Bible clearly says this is his story. This is his message. And he gives this life to you as a gift by his grace. All you have to do is receive it. Since I was 16 years old, I've preached this message in furniture stores, phone companies, cafeterias, buildings like this, anywhere anyone would listen to me. Build on the foundation of Jesus. Receive the gift, you'd be crazy not to. It's just amazing. And I use this verse most of the time because I think it simplifies it so well. Romans 9 says, if you'll just confess with your mouth, you'll say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord, not Jesus and this and Jesus and that. Jesus is the most high thing in my life. I confess with my mouth, Jesus as Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says not you could be, you might be. I hope I am. Let's hope St. Peter's having a bad day and he leaves the gate cracked up there and I can slide in. No, you will be saved. You can know if you confess Him as Lord. It's amazing to me how complicated we make this. Preachers make it complicated. This church thing, we talk about all these different ideas and stuff in the Bible, people get confused and they're like, man, how do you have a relationship with this Jesus and sometimes it seems so difficult. It's that simple. You can build on the foundation of Jesus if you're willing to confess him as Lord and believe he died for you on the cross and made a payment you couldn't make. Rose from the dead, you receive him and you shall be saved. I walked out of these doors last year, I'll never forget it. I met and ran into a man there that came here from the Northeast, he was in his 60s. He had, look, look, he had a nice coat on, had a cool little hanky up in there with a little color on it. And I just came up to him and his eyes were swelled from crying through the message. I think I used this picture. His eyes were crying and he he looked at me and I I said, sir, we're so glad you're here. And he said, he's been crying to the message I could tell. And he goes, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? I've been involved in religious activity, trying to keep all the right rules. No one has ever told me this. I'm like, well, let's forget about what you haven't heard. Let's act on what you just heard and give your life to Christ. You say, okay, I want that. How do I know if I'm building on Jesus as my foundation? Number one, I've made an exclusive commitment to Jesus. I made an exclusive commitment to Jesus. Jesus defined it as exclusive. People today kind of go, well, we're all kind of going the same place. We're just on different roads. That's not, that is totally opposite of what Jesus said. You only have a few options with Jesus. He's either lying He's a crazy guy, or he is who he says he is. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father, no one knows God, no one spends eternity with God, no one does it, except by me. I talked to our worship team, these new, create, you know, cool, young, young kind of cool worship songs where we're just trying to like make people feel good, and we're so glad, Jesus, that you made a way. Every time I hear it afterwards, I say, don't sing that again. Because he didn't make a way. He made the way. The only way. That's the only option. You can't add Jesus to your potpourri of all kinds of other things. Jesus in Buddha and Jesus in this and Jesus in a little Zen, and Jesus in a little worldly philosophy and Jesus a little bit. No, 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 no. Jesus, he don't mix. He, he, he don't play with that. He said, I'm the only way. See, and it's the same way, by the way, I don't have time to preach this. The Bible ties that knowing word with with marriage and covenant. Paul actually says this mystery of a marriage relationship is kind of like this mystery of this thing I'm talking to you about, the gospel. And so there's this covenantal intertwining exclusivity of the relationship. Brandy, at that time, Anderson, in 1995, we knew each other when we were younger, but when I was a junior at Baylor, my mom invited me to an event, kind of an arranged deal. Brandy was there, woman of God had grew up, praise, praise God. <laughs> and I decided, I want to make that girl my girl so nobody else gets anything that good. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> so November the 18th, 1995, I put a ring on her finger and said, you're my girl. No other girls, me and you. This year we're celebrating 25 years, okay? Now, if we're all hanging out and somebody asks me, so Pastor Jeff, how long you been married? And I'll be like, well, we just kind of known each other, you know, me and her since we were kids. She's looking for that 25 year level anniversary commitment this year. Come on ladies, can I have a little help? Brother, you need to step up your game because see, 25-year level I'm committed to you is going to be expensive too, right? So, <laughs> so so, I ask people, so tell me, you say, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, tell me about the time you had a moment where you put a ring on it with Jesus, where you said, he's my Lord and I'm exclusively serving him above all others. Me and Jesus, exclusive. When did it happen? Don't give me this. Well, I just kinda grew up around God. I just kinda went to a church class. I kinda got confirmed. I kinda got catechized. I kinda did this. I kinda joined the church. None of that matters. When did you put a ring on it? When did you say, as from this day forward, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I'm exclusively committed to Him above all else? Now you're building on the right foundation. The second thing is I experience his presence, not just information and rules. See, these early disciples that walk with Jesus in these early messages, what I'm preaching to you, see, I'm preaching to you from the word and my experience with Jesus, but I'm leaning on the word as the truth. These early disciples and the Bible we read in their messages, they're sharing firsthand accounts. So when people say, well, I don't know about that Jesus thing, I don't know if he really raised from the dead. Well, there were people who lost their lives for that truth. These disciples said, I saw this happen. It's so real. They gave their lives for these messages. And so they, this story, this message of Jesus, this gospel, this truth, I love Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, these people are looking at them. It's not about their education. It's not about their facts. It's not about their ability to wow them with some deep thought. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with him experientially. So one of the ways you know that you are saved is you talk to Jesus this morning. You've talked to him recently. You've experienced him. You're not talking about a theory. I like this one. I find a lot of people, and we're gonna talk about it next week, struggle with reading the Bible and understanding the Bible. Here's the deal. It really helps if the living Jesus is living inside of you when you read it. Now it'll help because it's true before that, but man, it explodes after that. Because now you got the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth and it's powerful. And so I love Luke 24, when they walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, the post resurrected Jesus. And it says, did our hearts not burn within us when he explained the scriptures to us? Here's an example, 1955, Walt Disney had a vision for a theme park where young people would enjoy themselves and families would be together. So in 1955, he bought all the airtime And it was actually sort of a challenging day this first day at Disneyland. All the rides weren't finished. I think they ran out of hot dogs. You had to pay for every ride. It was over 100 degrees, but it was the most watched, televised event of that time. I think over half the American population watched this Disney experience. It was more than the landing on the moon. It was more than the Super Bowl. So all these people were watching this experience that Walt Disney was talking about that everybody said wouldn't work, and they experienced it through the television, but now annually, annually, 65 years later, 150 million people experience a Disney park. You're like, Jeff, are you talking about building on the foundation of Jesus and using Disney park and Disney? Well, here's the thing, I've taken my kids to Disney. You're gonna need Jesus if you go there, okay? (laughs) You're going to need him, okay? What am I trying to say? It's one thing to describe an experience or talk about an experience. It's a whole nother thing when you've had the experience. Totally different. In the same way it is with Jesus. When you by faith surrender to him, you then begin to experience Jesus and your ability to understand him, talk about him, convey him is different than a person who just has rules and religious information. Number three, I see clear evidence of his work in my life. He's like, how do I know if, I have, if I'm saved? How do I know if Jesus is my foundation? He's changing you. Just going to church, just listening to information doesn't change you. In fact, when you go to Discovery 101, 17 years, I think I've missed two of them. Every time I tell people in Discovery 101, what I'm preaching to you this weekend, I would rather you get that and become part of another Bible-preaching, Jesus-serving church, then think that just by coming to Milestone and there's all these friendly people and all that, that that gives you some kind of access to God and you just are automatically kind of in. What am I trying to make the point of? My most important message is not join the church. The most important message is have you joined Jesus? because you can't have the fruit of Jesus without Jesus in your life and as a foundation, because he accepts you like you are, but when he moves in, he starts moving furniture around. You're like, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, when's the last time you were convicted by Jesus? Don't say that. Don't look at that on the internet. Don't flirt with that person who's not your spouse. Not condemnation, you say, what's condemnation? Well, that is I'm a loser, Jesus doesn't love me and there's no hope for me. Condemnation pushes you away from Jesus, but a conviction is where Jesus is in there working around and he's drawing you by your desires to change because one of the other things is not just you are born again where you become a new creation, but you also repent which is a gift where he turns your life around and you go the other way. If being a Christ follower was a crime, is there enough evidence to convict you? That's how you know if you're building on the foundation of Jesus. There'll be evidence of him working in there. Here's number four, I expect to be with him for eternity. We don't talk about it a lot in our world today. I've been talking about it more. As I said, my dad's now in eternity, so I'm reading a book right now about heaven and thinking about it. And sometimes we can be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, But the Bible gives us an eternal perspective because an eternal perspective influences our motives, it influences our targets, it influences what we live for, and it also gives us hope for the future. Because the longer you live, with all the aches and pains and problems of the world, if you don't have an eternal perspective, you're gonna become more depressed and more cynical. But when you have a hope for tomorrow, There's a hope for tomorrow. As you get older, more people you love, they're on the other side of tomorrow. Life is not guaranteed. We had a funeral for a young teenage girl this week at the church. Life is not guaranteed. I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to state the facts. Eternity though is the follower of Jesus and the person who builds on that foundation is their hope for when all things will be made right. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, they will submit to this Jesus. So the person who has that, when they go through grief, they go through it differently knowing that the present challenges and tribulation are just there for today, they're not our hope for tomorrow. They live for a different target. There's a world of today that it's like we live as if there is no eternity. I guess we're just rolling the dice, hoping it'll all work out. Today's motto is YOLO. You only live once. That's not the Bible motto. The Bible motto is yolt. You only live twice. You better be thinking about that. You live twice. So eternity matters. And a person who's building on the foundation of Jesus has a whole different perspective. Jesus said eternal life At the moment you know God through the person Jesus Christ, eternal life begins then. It begins at that moment. I want to give you a story that's really inspiring to me. I preached about heaven during my Christmas message. As I said, I began to think about it a little bit more. Just think how we need to talk about it a little bit more. It's been lost from the daily diet of most modern Christians. During our Christmas services, we had a bunch. We had on one on a Monday night. It's a guy now the name of Stuart, who actually was one of the testimony videos of baptism, which I think is really cool, because he met a real Jesus and it transformed him. And then he started walking it out and taking steps and going to grow track and getting in small groups and... This is his sister Morgan who sent this text and we just as pastors a lot of times during these weekends, you know, you're doing 17 services and you're trying to stay motivated and remind yourself that if there's one person in the audience who doesn't know Jesus, that one person is worth my best. We will serve them, we will love them for that one person. So we a lot of times will share with each other testimonies because it keeps us excited about 17 services when we've already heard the songs and the message a lot is one of the ones we got this Christmas. I want y'all to know, Morgan, I've decided I wanna go to heaven. This was Monday night of Christmas services. The way y'all's preacher, I like that, preach. Y'all's preacher, preacher, preach, preacher. The way y'all's preacher explained stuff on Monday was what I needed to hear because I was still unsure. Now I know what I want. Just wanted to share that with y'all. His wife makes me cry. Give you a little backstory though. Here's a little bit of history from Stuart of what happened. Here's Morgan, he says, yeah, we hadn't spoken in nearly two years, but my wife and I had both been praying for her throughout that time, including at Prepare last year. Then our dad passed away unexpectedly in July, and that's what brought us back together again. I gave her my prayer guide from Prepare last year, and when she opened it up, she saw that I had written in it about her in there. Then this year at Prepare, she went to it with my wife and I, and she raised her hand for salvation. And then she went down to the front in front of the entire place. It was amazing to see it all come full circle. That. That. You're like, what do you pastors say about it when you send these? We a lot of times send the emoticon, the bullseye target. That's the bullseye. Jesus plus nothing equal everything. And that decision she's made will influence every single area of her life. It's the most important decision any human being can ever make. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. You can know that you know that you know that you are saved. And I'm gonna take you back to that Romans ten nine passage. And it's my words, but you make it your words. You make it with your heart, with your commitment. You say, Jesus, here I am. I confess you as my Lord, not just some general Savior, but my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died for me on that cross. I believe you paid that price for me, and I believe you are alive today, Jesus. You rose from the dead. You say it to him in your words. Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. I know I have drifted away. Jesus, I wanna have a real relationship with you that's experiential, that there's evidence of change. I wanna have a relationship with you where I have hope for eternity. Jesus, I wanna build on that foundation. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end at the ministry time. Come to this discovery class so that I can meet you and we can help you take those steps. Those of you who say, I have prayed that, Pastor, and I am building on that, but I need to recommit to that. Lord, we pray right now. I pray on behalf of all of us. We'd re-surrender, recommit ourselves to building on the foundation of you, Jesus. You're the King, you're the Lord. So whatever you say, wherever you lead, we will go. We submit our lives to you. Jesus, we thank you that There's no accomplishment, no achievement, no hobby, no vacation, there's nothing, no medication that can fill our soul like your love does. We thank you for the way you love us with an unconditional love that makes us safe and secure and hopeful for the future. We build on that foundation because that's all that lasts in Jesus' name.